This is a reading from chapter 4 of the book The War on Waste Paradox by Lund Boutin. The reading is by Lund. Dr. Elby and Jim were getting out of the car as I pulled into the parking lot on Friday morning. Jim was carrying a box from the local bakery, probably a snack for the meeting of the managers and supervisors. I was still wondering about Dr. Elby's suggestion on setup and reduction and considering new areas for improvement. He really had me thinking. Yesterday I figured I probably could save some processing time by getting the programmer for my machine to change the program flow on one of the jobs. I noticed that the cutting tool speed was too slow on parts that we made out of aluminum. I could have easily doubled the speed, taken it to the maximum, and still maintained the quality that we were looking for. Over at Osgood's, we always ran aluminum jobs at full machine speed. We could probably get the job done about 35% faster. I thought that this would be a good idea to discuss with Dr. Elby and Jim. As it was, we weren't allowed to change anything. The programmer didn't talk to us, so we didn't try anything new with him. If he did talk to us, it might save the company a lot of time. I wondered if setting up dumb rules created a waste. As I headed to the factory entrance, Dr. Elby approached me and asked, Have you thought about our discussion? I haven't thought about anything else, I said. I thought about ways we could increase the production in my area. Is it all right to think of increased production and not just waste? Oh, absolutely. One of the biggest wastes in business is the waste of processing itself. You are right to look at this point positively. Instead of talking about waste, you're talking about increasing production. It's always better to increase production by 20% than to brag about finding a million dollars worth of waste. I was like to say that the glass is half full, not half empty. He smiled and said, are we having fun yet? I grinned and said, I am having fun. Can I ask you a simple question? Do you think we can really help us? I just went through one closure, and from what I understand, we're in deep trouble too. I know, Dr. Elby replied seriously, I know Quality Pump is in trouble, but from what I understand from some of your customers, you make a good product and a lot of people want it. You must be able to satisfy their needs and 12-week delivery it just won't cut it. When you have competition, you have no choice. You must be able to compete. To do that, you have to improve your quality and your lead time. And that's what we're going to focus on in this class. Do you agree? I really wouldn't know about that, but I guess Mr. Grimes does. Did he tell you that? Yes, he did. In fact, he thinks that if you get your lead time down, you could capture significant market share from your competition. Do you know what I mean by that? Not really, I said. I do know that we make a good product. People on the line have told me that we stand up pretty well against the competition. But we may take too long to fill orders and our expenses are too high. I guess all of those things are waste, right? Dr. Hovey replied, after a while, everybody starts to think of me as the king of waste. You're right, though. If we get started in the class and focus on these issues of waste, we should be able to significantly affect the two issues that we measured, lead time and costs. By the way, Dr. Elby said, I stopped you because I understand that you have a changeover today. Could you time all the things that you're doing during the changeover for the next month and record them on this sheet? He handed me a sheet of paper with a form on it. I didn't see a problem with this. 
What will happen if the numbers don't get better? Well, we'll shoot the messenger, if, that, if you know what I mean by that. We will use these numbers in the class for everyone to see. I won't be picking on you, but I will be using your experiences to show everyone in the plant that it doesn't hurt. We're not going to blame anyone. If the company allows you to report the facts, then we can help. We have to let you report what really happened. We need you to report honest data. That is one thing we have to change. I have a meeting in the morning with the managers and supervisors, and I'll stop by your work area after the meeting and we can talk then. After he walked away, I began to think. I realized that this was the first time that anyone in management had talked to me with any kind of respect since old man ran his company, old man Osgood ran his company. I heard from Tony that the meeting was going to be another one of those bullshit sessions that we lead nowhere. Tony Corbelli had been on vacation for the last few weeks. In his first week back, he went into a meeting where they talked about making big changes in the company. He had three years until retirement, and he didn't want anybody to change anything. Boy, he was not pleased, and boy, he let everybody know about it. I guess one of the hardest things for people to do is change. Jim told me the other day that we're all creatures of habit, and change is never easy. If we don't change the way we do things in our shop, though, we won't have any jobs to worry about. Dr. LB assured me the change would happen, and people needed to be willing and able for the change to occur. Tony certainly didn't seem to be willing to change. He figured why change anything, even if it's broken. Tony was going to fight any suggestions for change. I could tell by the tone of Tony's voice that he wasn't going to enjoy these classes very much. This training was going to challenge his authority, and all the lives of every one of us was going to be miserable as a result. But if we didn't do the training, unemployment would be even worse, so I figured maybe I could put up with Tony and Gus until the training ended. I remember my grandfather and father talking about how much fun they had in the early days in the job. Grandpa in the 30s during the Depression and Dad in the 60s. Grandpa was a very skilled machinist. Mr. Goss, Osgood always listened to his machinists on how to manufacture a product. For some reason, my new managers didn't want to hear ideas from workers. Maybe Dr. LB and Jim could change that. That's the end of chapter four. These are the chapter four insights. Change can easily be managed with a simple process described in this chapter. If you think about it, most of us have difficult time dealing with change. Change is usually okay as it means others have to change, but we don't. The frame, refrain might go something like, go ahead and change others in this company, but don't change my job. Just like Tony in this chapter, he doesn't alter his tribal not want to alter his tribal knowledge. As we have seen, there are a number of examples of that in this book up to this point. As you go through your own war and waste, it is important to realize that there is a great resistance to change. The reason that we develop no blame is that it's easier for people to change a process if everyone is able to save face. People are hard to replace, so we give them an out with no blame. No blame allows employees to save face. At some point, we find that these obstinate resistors can and often will get in the way of overall objective of the change program, eliminating waste to improve profits. In addition, 
The reason we focus on high ROI projects with less than $2,000 cost is that they are small and happen very quickly. Employees learn by doing. They experience these small successes, and as such, they earn the respect of their leader, and change can occur. That's the end of the episode. We look forward to seeing you in Chapter 5. Thank you very much.